Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, the first edition for 2013. Extra Time's a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport, and I'm Stephen Hewson. There's plenty to offer this week too, with football, motor racing, cricket, and we also hear from Sonny Bill Williams, who says his next boxing bout could be his last. The All-Whites captain Ryan Nelson will officially hang up his boost next week after an illustrious football career, which began in Christchurch and has included time in the United States MLS, and a seven-year stint in the English Premier League. Nelson, who's played for Blackburn Rovers, Tottenham Hotspur, and is currently with Queen's Park Rangers, will play his last game for QPR next week before heading to Toronto to take up the head coaching role of the MLS club there. That means his international career is also over, and he won't be part of the All-Whites bid to qualify for the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. Richard Wayne spoke to the chairman of New Zealand football, Frank Van Hattem, about the gap Nelson will leave. It is disappointing in one respect, but it, um, it was pretty predictable when you think about it. You know, everyone has to call time at some stage, and, uh, and Ryan, the time is right for him now, and we appreciate that and uh, we respect that. We're going to wish him well for his future and thank him for his past. I doubt anyone has ever given more in a white shirt for New Zealand. And, and without a doubt, I mean, he's been fantastic, and, and he, he just comes across as that awe-inspiring leader, and people have seen that and they appreciate that. You know, that is a New Zealand trait. And he's on a par with some of our greatest sportsmen ever. You know, he's had a wonderful career. And like I say, it was fantastic that he's been able to have some major success with uh, New Zealand and the All Whites. You know, people probably you know, realise he's been to a World Cup, a couple of uh, Olympics as well, and, uh, and playing in the Premier League. You know, what, a, what a great career and an inspiration to a lot of other kids. So you, you spoke with him and he also spoke with Ricky earlier on today? Yes, we did. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of conjecture in the media about, you know, the communication process. We've been well aware of the issue for quite some time. You know, there's been a process that Ryan had to work through. We understood the uh, sensitivities around that, and that's why we had to hold our tongue and work through the process at Ryan's time. So he needed to be clear of QPR at a certain time, but the timing had to be at his time, and that time's now, and yes, we appreciated the call. As you can understand, he's pretty sad about the decision, but, you know, his, his knees are actually not as great as, you know, he shows on TV, he plays through that pain. And then he had to come to that decision, and that's got to be a hard one to give away something that he thoroughly enjoyed. What did he say? Did he say that basically he's got to give us all to Toronto now that he's sorted it out with QPR? Yeah, it's practical. You know, yes, he's finishing out with QPR, and that had to be sorted out. The second part now, he's got a new employer, and that's Toronto Football Club. He's got responsibilities now as head coach. So this is a world one. He plays his last game on the 29th. And then he jumps on a plane, you know, changes his whole life, uproots his family, and he's got a new responsibility. Yeah, could he have stayed for another eight weeks and, you know, turned out one more time? Emotionally and sentimentally, I say, wouldn't that be wonderful? Practically, he's made a, a very difficult decision. He says, no, his responsibility now is Toronto and his new stage of his career. And uh, we respect that and uh, wish him the best for it. From an All-Wides fan's perspective, it's a shame that he couldn't you know, push on alongside Toronto, but I guess being the coach of a major league soccer club kind of precludes playing international football. It certainly does. I mean, he's, he's well-stated, 
his boots are being hung up. He's got knee problems, he's got injuries, and you know you can't continue to say you know I'll turn up and you know play, not train very hard, and then just turn up and play an international. He realises that, but he's also got a hell of a job ahead of him in Toronto, and he's going to give all his energies to that. You know, we all know Ryan, and he doesn't do anything you know by half measure, so he will be going 100%. He has to commit to that, and that's what he's doing. That's the chairman of New Zealand football, Frank Van Hattam, talking to Richard Wayne. And Ryan Nelson's final Premier League match will be for QPR and it'll be against the defending champions Manchester City on Wednesday. Still with football, the Phoenix captain Andrew Durante is distancing himself from comments by one of the club's owners that its fans are pathetic. Gareth Morgan, a member of the Wellnix Consortium, which runs the A-League club, made the comment in a recent interview. Talking about the team's change to a more expansive style of play, Morgan said the fans were pathetic to expect the side to adapt to the new approach immediately. The Phoenix suffered a humiliating 7-1 loss last round and sit at the bottom of the competition. Morgan's comments appear to be causing plenty of frustration for Durante and his players. To be honest, I've been through so much of Gareth talk over the last month that I, I honestly have just completely blocked it out. I've been in a in a pretty tough place with all these comments and having to answer for um, owners. So, you know, regardless of what Gareth said, we, we as players we want you guys out there and and you there's yellow fever and everyone involved at the um, cake dinner are very important to us. And if we're going to get out of this, we we kind of need everyone pulling in the same direction. Obviously, as the captain, you've got to front up to all this and and be the spokesperson for it all and obviously trying to rev the boys up each week. And, um, yeah, it's probably one of the more difficult times at the club. But, um, you know, I think we've got a good enough culture and a good enough bunch of blokes to to pull us out of it. I think we're four points out of the top six. And, and as bad as we've been this year, we're only four points out of the six, which is, I guess it's the beauty of a, a six-team playoff in a ten-team competition that you, you've always got a chance. So, look, we definitely believe um, we can be there, but we really need to start putting in performances uh, sooner rather than later. Obviously, the the change of of um, the way we're going to play is is probably um, you know hindered us a bit. We've we've had a formation and uh, a style of play that we've had for a long time, and uh, now we're implementing a, a new system. Uh, I've spoken previously about was it the right timing, and uh, it probably wasn't mid-season. Uh, I think if you can plan a pre-season around this new formation and structure, then. You know, we can have a, a good crack at it during the year. But, um, look, we're not going to make excuses. We've, we've got to be better. Um, you know, some individual mistakes have been creeping into our game that haven't been there in previous years. So I, I think it's harsh to blame everything on, on a structure and, and players have to look at themselves. Have you got the players to play that structure? I mean, if you're going to... I mean, that one-directional stuff, like say, it worked and you've got the squad to do that, it would appear you haven't got the players to play the... Oh, the look, ground I, stuff. I disagree with that. I mean, you know... I think the players in the midfield have copped a fair bit of stick. They're they're actually quite good ball players. They they are known to be physical, but you know if if they're if they're given the right instructions, then they can definitely play this game. Obviously, they're not going to be as silky as a Flores and a Rojas and that. I I understand that, but they can definitely play the ball. And I think we've shown in patches that we can play the ball on the ground and and be good. But um, I'm not going to make excuses and say that this is the only reason why we're sitting bottom of the table. And um, like I said, there's been individual mistakes and out of character mistakes from players all over the park that wouldn't happen and I'm pretty confident that uh, this Sunday you'll, you'll see a, a revved up team and 
And I guess we want to apologise to the fans and everyone that support the club. We let them down last week, and um, you know it was embarrassing. It was it was embarrassing for us. Um, and I guess the only way to repay them is put on a good performance Sunday. You mentioned that you're not talking about the structure as playing a, a part in this, though. But that structure has created doubt, which has then led to the other problems. So therefore, it is the I suppose the beginning of it all that, that you create doubt in the players' minds as to which way they're going. Yeah, but look, it's that's happened a few months ago. We've had long enough now to to get the grip with get, get to grips with it. Um, and I'm not going to use it as an excuse. Um, you know, we're, we've got enough senior pros in this team to be good enough to deal with whatever shape or, or formation the, the owners want. And, um, you know, we've, we've spoken as individuals that we have to be better. If that's the style they want to play, we've got to be better there. That's Phoenix captain Andrew Taranti. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Sonny Bill Williams admits his next professional boxing bout could be his last should he lose. The former all-black midfielder who's moved back to rugby league has his sixth professional fight in Brisbane in a couple of weeks when he'll fight the veteran South African Francois Botta. The bout had to be rescheduled after Williams suffered a chest injury while playing rugby in Japan. Sonny Bill Williams concedes he may be somewhat rusty on his return to the NRL with the Sydney Roosters and told Richard Wayne about how he copes cramming three different sports into a packed schedule. I just make sure whatever I'm doing, I'm focused 100%, you know, just focus all my energy into it. You know, some nights I went live, some restless nights, you know, thinking when I start thinking too far ahead, but if I just relatively keep it simple, you know, concentrate what i got to do, you know, tomorrow. At the moment it's boxing, so, you know, I just focus all my energy into this and all my focus, and I'm usually pretty sweet because I find that, you know, when I go from boxing to rugby or, say, rugby league, you know, I'm pretty mentally refreshed because I haven't been thinking about it too long. So, Do you think you're helping redefine what it means to be a modern athlete with all these different codes that you're in? No, not really. I guess for me, I just just doing what makes me happy. You know, I never thought that I'd ever fight or anything like that. Growing up, you know, maybe had a couple of school fights, but that's about it. Wasn't too fond of it, and then kind of just fell into it. You know, when I had my first couple of fights, I guess you know they're just amateur kind of, you know, spectacle kind of things, but. I just really keep enjoying the training. So I kept up the training and then, and then I just started getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And then last fight, I, th- I thought I'd try getting a proper trainer and see how I win. And then I just, my um, confidence levels just went shot through the roof because I could see myself improving. Um, now, you know, when I'm boxing a trainer, uh, I just feel I can just see the improvement. So it really, really makes me happy. This guy's obviously uh, fought a, a bunch of top guys. Real step up and a lot to gain and, and maybe a lot to lose for yourself. Yeah, lots to gain, lots to lose. But just like against Clarence, my last fight, without no risk, there's no reward. So this is definitely going to put my name out there on the international level through the WBA because it's been a sanctioned bout. And you know, that's got a lot to do with who he is. So as a fighter, you know, he's been around for a long time for a lot of world champions. Apparently, you know, he's lost 10 kilos training for this fight. You know, that just gives me extra motivation. He says he's going to send you back to rugby uh, in your boxing career. Is that just hype, or, or would it be a real, a real setback for you, boxing-wise? Yeah, if I if I lose, if I get knocked out, then you know, I don't know if I'll keep going. Uh, but you know, as long as I'm improving and giving my all, you know, because that's what I'll be doing. But he said a lot of things, and you know, just a true showman that he is. All pan out how it pans out when we're Right. How about um, your heavyweight belt? Are you got a mandatory title defence coming out? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm pretty sure I was supposed to have one quite a long time ago. So, yeah, yeah. you know, for me, um, it's about moving up, moving on, yeah. and, 
you know, this is definitely where I'm stepping with the WBA international belt. So, um, just you know, just trying to improve, I guess, uh, take steps forward. That's what you can do. Yep. How about a unification fight like the likes of Joseph Parker or you know Chauncey Wellman? You know, I'm, I'm just focused on what I'm focused on. Now. I'm just thankful that I'm fighting someone. You know, getting the privilege to fight someone that has been in the ring with the greats, and it's for an international WBA belt. So. The whole scheme of things that's a, a bit bigger than the New Zealand belt. You know, there's always going to be voices because they know that, you know, if they get a fight with me, they're going to make a bit of coin. And um, I guess, you know, that's how it is these days. But I've got a lot of things going on. And uh, if it pans out that way, it pans out that way. But if it doesn't, it's no stress to me. It's finally on the Roosters. Are you looking forward to getting back to the 13 man code? Yeah, it's a funny thing. You know, I didn't know how I'd feel. But, um, you know, I went and seen the boys a couple of days and watched them train and things like that. And, Definitely got the old, you know, itchy feet. So now at this stage, it's pretty full on with boxing and that. Um, but I know once I get back there, I'll, I'll be, you know, doing my best. And won't be rusty. You don't reckon you're gonna get straight back into it? I'll, I'll probably be a little bit rusty, but you know, see how we go. Sonny Buller Williams joins up with the Sydney Roosters after the February 8th fight, and his return to rugby league is expected to be in a pre-season match against the West Tigers in just under a month. The New Zealand motor racing driver Mitch Evans has taken the next step in his career, moving up to the GP2 category in Europe and Asia this year. The 18-year-old won last year's GP3 championship with Arden, and he's decided to stay with the British racing team at the next level. He's now just one level below Formula 1 and spoke to Barry Guy about his burgeoning career. Definitely like a dream come true for me because GP2 is like a category I've always followed and always always wanted to drive in, and um, I've watched ever since it started so I've uh, always wanted to compete in it and now I'm competing this year in it it is definitely uh yeah definitely a goal that I've wanted to wanted to tick and I'm pretty stoked to be on the starting grid in Malaysia at, uh, in, in March so I can't wait for the season to get underway. I understand that uh, you did have a offer or you know tempting from uh, another outfit? Yes the you know the the champions for the past few years, Dams, were quite keen for me to to drive with them for for this year, and I did test with them at the end of last year as well. So yeah, it was very very tempting, and it was sort of balancing it up, which was the best best opportunity for me. But Arden did have a good year last year; they got second in the drivers and third in the team. So, and I have been driving with Arden for the past two years in um in GP3. So. They are, I guess, like a bit of a family to me. So I decided to, to go with Arden. And I'm sure they'll give me the best package possible to have a successful season. Uh, you're now uh, in GP2, the level beho- uh, below Formula 1. Uh, I suppose after winning GP3 last year, this was a natural progression for you. Did, were you expecting to go up to the next level? Yeah, well, I was definitely going to move up after after winning the GP3 championship and the GP2 series obviously the the best the best pathway after GP3 and the best pathway to Formula 1 and after winning the GP3 championship I did get a, a prize from Pirelli to if I went on to GP2 so that definitely helped us uh you know choose to go to GP2 so yeah that is a natural pathway and then hopefully um you know, obviously, the next step up from GP2 is Formula 1, so hopefully we can have a, have a good year this year. Tell me about your relationship with the Formula 1 driver, Mark Webber, who I understand mentors you in some way. 
Yes, Mark uh, manages me, and we've got a pretty pretty strong relationship now, and it's been huge in my career so far over the past three years. But he helps me probably more off track than on track. He's you know, obviously a great example for his fitness and, and, and nutrition, so for me to feed off that and learn from that is so, is so good for me because at that, that level, preparation is is everything. And for me, to, yeah, to learn from him is is so good because he's at the top of his game. He's at the top of of the sport, and he's a a great role model. So we train together a lot and prepare each race together, which is uh, pretty special. And then if I need some help on track, or he can see that I'm struggling in in, in some way, then he'll uh, he'll 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 speak forward. And yeah, it's great to move forward with him, and hopefully we have a good year. Uh, moving up from GP3 to GP2, I imagine the cars are better, faster, the drivers are better, faster. So what are your expectations for this year? Well, I haven't really made any any goals because um, I'm going to play it by ear a bit uh, and just hope to have a successful year. You know, for my first year in GP3, I didn't make any goals. I went in with an open line and I, you know, I won my second race, which is unbelievable. So I'm not going to say that's going to happen with GP2 because it's a, it's a different story. It's a lot harder because the cars are a lot more difficult to drive, and there's a lot more, you know, the experienced drivers are in there as well, which makes it even harder. So I'm just going to go in there with, with an open mind and hopefully have a have a good rookie season. Obviously, since I'm a racer, my goal is to win the championship. But realistically, you know, I'm not going to probably win the championship, but if I get a podium, if I get a race win or a couple of race wins, or who knows, I might even be in the top five. You know, you just you just can't plan these things, and you just never know what's going to happen. That's motor racing driver Mitch Evans talking to Barry Guide. The GP2 season starts in Malaysia at the end of March. It's been a history-making week for New Zealand cricket. The Black Caps won the first ever series in South Africa and taking an unassailable 2-0 lead in the three-match one-day series against the Proteas. While the White Ferns won their first series in Australia for 26 years when they beat Australia 2-1 in a 2020 series. The Black Cap series win comes on the back of their innings loss in both the test matches in the Republic. And it's been quite a rollercoaster ride for new skipper Brendan McCullum. Delighted for um, for all the guys involved, um, players and support staff and obviously all the people back home as well of who uh, always stand by this team and um, whilst it hasn't been a, a great period of late, um, I guess victories like this along the way, um, when, when you're right up against it, there's uh, is a, a little bit of love that uh, that everyone likes to be shown along the way, so we're well aware of uh, of the, the support that we have back home and, and how inconsistent we've been over, over uh, well, I guess, the last couple of years. Um, and every time we go out and play, we're, we're trying to do our best for... For uh, for the the people back home, um, ourselves, and, and also um, the people that have been before us, as well as cricketers. So um, it, it was great to be able to um, know when we came off the park that that um, that we had achieved something special that everyone who who follows this team and supports this team um, was able to hold on to. So yeah, I hope that that uh, hope that that's a small win along the way. Um, by no means is that our our overall goal, but it's nice to get some instant gratification um, for what you're trying to achieve, and and, uh, and hopefully. Those people back home will will certainly appreciate it as well. And the manner that we did it too. I think the the fighting character and the the times throughout the game we were behind the eight ball and we still managed to to hang in there. Uh, Never never lose belief in in our ability to to come out on top. And um, and I think they're they're the sorts of signs and and characteristics that the people back home want to 
want to see from this team and, and we want from ourselves. And look, it's been a tough tour. There's, there's certainly there's no uh, hiding away from that. But I think it's been a, a great learning experience as well for, for everyone in the group, but also for me as well from a captaincy point of view. I think um, when you're confronted with the best, you're, you're given pretty harsh lessons of what you, t- you know, what you need to do to to uh, to, to perform um, like they do. And, and what we saw in the Test Series especially was a, a clinical display from the world's premier team. And, and I think what um, the guys who will walk away from the series, um, the Test Series in particular, will say, well, I, now need, I now know exactly what I need to do to improve. And um, I think that if you look at it like that, then, uh, then you see it as a learning opportunity rather than getting too is disgruntled with the fact that you're getting beaten. Um, but I guess the emotions you go through, um, obviously the initial one was excitement with a little bit of uh, a little bit of uncertainty around what we we're going to be confronted with. Um, and I guess if, as you roll on through the tour, um, there's times where you're probably, you're probably a little vulnerable, um, which, uh, which is never nice as an international sportsman or as a person, but it does, again, teaches you, teaches you many things. And I think now it's, it's kind of there's an element of satisfaction. Yes, there's some, uh, some things that we need to improve on, but, but to come over here and to have achieved history um, with a team that was missing some of its best players as well, um, there, there is an element of satisfaction there as well. But know that there's certainly um, yeah, there's, there's a lot bigger jobs to go, but, um, but this one is, is one that, um, that we should all be proud of. That's Black Caps captain Brendan McCullum. Now, double internationals don't come around often, but the Wellingtonian Sophie Devine takes her career to another level over the next month as she competes in the Women's Cricket World Cup in India. Devine's played hockey for New Zealand 36 times and for the cricket team has turned out in 43 one-day internationals, along with 29 T20 internationals. The talented 23-year-olds also had to overcome diabetes to play for her country. She was disappointed to miss out on the Black Sticks hockey squad for last year's Olympics, but intends to keep playing both sports for a while yet. Um, for me, it probably hasn't been too difficult. Definitely as I sort of um, climbed up the sort of picking order in terms of playing domestic and then national and international, it's obviously gotten a lot tougher. But I've always played both sports for a long time and I've always managed to juggle it. So for me, it's sort of just been, I guess, second nature to, to play both sports. I imagine, though, with the international calendar now that it's not, one sport one season and, and one the other have you had to have had times where you've just committed yourself to one for a sort of whole year sort of thing yeah I think um, probably the best example of that was the past I guess 18 months where um, build up to the Olympics sort of required me to to pretty much pick one sport and I, and I went with the hockey which meant cricket went on the back burner a little bit which is the first time I've really had to make that sort of decision and it was a really tough one to make but one that I, I have no regrets about and it sort of allowed me to to put 110% into the hockey effort. When you first started, did you think, oh, I'm going to try and do both of these sorts of things or you'll just play it by ear and see what happens? Yeah, no, I definitely had ambitions to, to play both sports. For New Zealand, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really think too much about playing them at the same time, but that's how, how things have worked out. I guess I've been really lucky and had a lot of great support from both the hockey and, and cricket communities to allow me to, to even attempt to play both, I guess. Do you think, though, doing both has allowed you to play your best in both? Yeah, I guess like I said before, I mean, I've played both sports for a long time, so I mean, for me, it, it's just second nature. I think, I guess last year, focusing solely on the hockey, it did allow me to, to really put in a lot of time and effort, which I guess I haven't really done with the hockey before, and I, I guess I, I saw definite improvements in my game, which is really pleasing, but I guess 
um, for me, it's yeah, being able to play both sports at the same time. I, I don't think it's much of a hindrance. It's, I try and use both to sort of help help the other sport in a way. And your coaches and, and the likes are all good with it. Yeah, I mean, I've been really lucky with the coaches and support staff I've had in both in both sports. That you know, they've they've worked hard to make sure that I'm not sort of particularly overloading myself and um, making sure that I'm healthy and fit for both sports. And they've both been really good at, at making sure that that you know I'm I'm ready to go and, and firing fit for both teams. In the international cricket mat, uh, uh, competition, it sort of used to be New Zealand and Australia, but now England is sort of the top of the game and India as well. Is that the others sort of coming up, or you know, how is uh, New Zealand cricket fearing? Do you, is it a, in its best sort of uh, form at the moment? Yeah, look, I think um, England have really sort of led the way the past couple of years. They've put a lot of resources into their women's side, and they've sort of produced fantastic results for them. And Australia are on a similar path. I think New Zealand, we're slowly, we're slowly getting there. We're um, getting a lot of support from New Zealand cricket that are, is allowing us to put a lot more time and effort in, into the game. Um, but I think England are definitely the um, are definitely the benchmark for women's teams at the moment. What would you like to see New Zealand cricket be able to do? Yeah, I think something along those lines would be a fantastic opportunity to allow women players to be able to focus a bit more on the training. I think a lot of the girls in the team at the moment either have part-time or full-time jobs and to do the required training is a really tough ask. But at the moment, you know, a lot of them are doing that and it's, um, you know... I think if you talk to any of them, it's, it's it's a lot of hard work, but it's one that they choose to do and enjoy it. Um, but to have any sort of, I guess, financial support would be a real benefit. Can I just ask about your diabetes and how that's affected uh, the way that you've, um, you know, approached your career? I've diagnosed when I was 14, so I've had it for quite a few years now. And it, again, it's sort of the second nature. It was with my sport. There's definitely been times where it's been a bit trying and I've had to you know, sit a couple of games out and things like that because I haven't quite got it under control. But it's all about learning and I've, I think now I've sort of got a pretty good gauge on, on how my body reacts to, to different things in the sporting environment. Uh, so what about when you go to places like uh, India? You know, I don't know whether diet and those sorts of things or, or surroundings affects in any way? Yeah, no, it definitely does, especially diet and weather can really, especially for me, can really throw it out, throw it out the window. I know when we played in... West Indies a couple of years ago, it took me a good sort of seven to ten days for my blood sugar levels to settle, which can be a bit frustrating at times, but you just got to understand that it takes a little bit for the body to settle down and get used to the conditions. So it obviously doesn't stop you doing anything? No, definitely definitely not. I think that's the important thing is that it shouldn't, shouldn't stop me doing anything, I guess. It, it should be a thing for any young diabetics, I guess, is that you shouldn't think that it can stop you in any way. As long as you've got good control and you've got good support around you, you know, anything's possible. That's White Ferns player Sophie Devine talking to Barry Guy. And that brings us to the end of the first edition of Extra Time for 2013. Hope you've enjoyed listening. If you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.